Hey, you found us. It's the Ben and Matt Sportscast. And if you follow us on Twitter, you know we're going to be talking <laughs> National Signing Day. I'm Ben Glicksman alongside my tag team partner, Matt Story. And Matt, before we start on that, ASU's got the Oregon schools in basketball this weekend. And one of those teams is much better than us, and the other one should be much worse. Yeah, hopefully. Hopefully. Uh, you know, I mean, Oregon's a top 10 caliber team, and Oregon State is 0-9 in the conference. So, uh, you know, feels like a weekend. Hopefully to get a split, we have to break our, our uh, jinx of not winning the second game of a weekend series. We're 0-4 in regard. Um, but this is a good chance to do it, hopefully. Yeah, it's going to be an interesting test for the Sun Devils. That Oregon game is not uh, not a promising one, but at least... No, no. You know, at least Oregon State's there. Kind of, It must be how Oregon State feels. That Arizona game's going to be a tough Probably. one, but at least Arizona State's there. That's correct. Yeah, we talked about that in football as the season wore along. That You know, we were, we were the team that, you know, we looked at teams and thought, well, this is a chance for us to right the ship, but other teams were looking at that way, too. Yeah, well, so let's just pivot right into signing day. ASU ended today, at least as of 7 o'clock Central Time, with 18 known commitments. The keystone of the class is Blake Barnett, who got some excellent news this week from the NCAA, which is a rare combination of words. Barnett, yes. <laughs> I mean, yes. Barnett is uh, is the transfer from Alabama who went to uh, community college after week four of the season, um, and right. the expectation was that he would miss all of September for ASU and become eligible to play week five. However, the NCAA has granted a waiver to allow Barnett to compete starting week one. Yeah, it's it's big. I mean. Um... You know, I think I think you and I are both of the same mindset that he's going to be the starter in all likelihood. Um, I don't think you you know you don't go after a transfer quarterback like that for him to sit on the sideline and signal in place. Um, so I think he's going to be you know, but regardless of of whatever, it allows us to play our best guy one. And you know, we've got a, a bit of a challenging opening slate with. A good San Diego State team, a road trip to Texas Tech, and a and a home game against Oregon in those, you know, two, three, four weeks, and and so thinking about you know going into that with uncertainty at quarterback, and then maybe you're making a switch, maybe you're not. It, it just wasn't ideal. So it's great, you know. I mean, now we can we can really pick the best guy and, and go with him, and hopefully establish uh, you know leadership and continuity right from the start. Barnett's the headliner of the class. He was a five-star recruit last year. ESPN's dropped him down to a four-star recruit, which I guess is based on the four games that he, you know, was active for Alabama. Then, yeah. then hey, all I know is he went one and zero as a starter, and they beat USC fifty-two to six. Yeah. Uh, you know, quibble with that if you want, but <laughs> he beat the number three team in the country fifty-two to six. Details are not important. ASU also picked up a commitment from quarterback Ryan Kelly. He'd already been a verbal, but with all of the transition and juggling of quarterbacks, they're now uh, Barnett, Kelly, uh, Brady White. You got Manny still. You got DSC. Something's, something's got to give. And Bryce Perkins. Yeah. And I mean, Bryce Perkins. Got, uh, we got six scholarships, uh, you know, quarterbacks, uh, you know, right now in the fold. And I think, there's there's not much debate that we won't have six by the time the season rolls around. I, honestly, I can't see that we, we will have six even in the spring. I, I guess Kelly won't be there in the spring. 
Um, but everybody else would be now, you know, White's injured, but Perkins apparently has been cleared uh, from his injury and, you know, Wilkins and Sterling Cole are back. So, you know, you, you hate to, it's hard to get reps for that many guys. Um, so I feel like there's bound to be some pretty quick attrition, especially with the news that Barnett's eligible right away. That's got to send a little message to, I think, Manny Wilkins and Bryce Perkins, especially that, you know, maybe look elsewhere or maybe in the case of Perkins, maybe he switches positions. I don't know if he's willing to do that. Well, and this dovetails also with ASU hiring a new offensive coordinator, Billy Napier, who was Dabo Swinney's offensive coordinator at Clemson, got fired from that job. He then moved to Alabama where he did the recruiting, and I believe he was the wide receivers coach, but now he will take over ASU's offensive coordinator and quarterback coaching duties from Chip Lindsey. Yeah, I mean, I, I was pretty happy to, to read that. Um, you know, obviously the the continuity that you'd expect somewhat with Barnett doesn't hurt. Um, I'm sure he's going to, you know, have his own <clears throat> variation on offense. He's not going to exactly the same thing they ran at Alabama, but, um, you know, presumably he'll probably carry over some terminology and some concepts. And You know, <clears throat> I think, again, going into it with the assumption that Barnett is the guy, that is helpful. Absolutely. ASU in recruiting, you know, we talked about it throughout the season and afterwards they needed to load up on defensive backs and it appears that's what they did. Alex Perry, the corner from Bishop Gorman committed. Tyler Johnson could wind up on the defensive side of the ball. I would expect that to be the case given our Mm -hmm. needs from Gilbert uh, Highland High School. Signing day commitment, one of two ASU got from a recruit who had not previously committed before signing day was Langston Frederick. Uh, 5'10 speedster corner from Clear Springs High School in Texas. He ran a 44940 uh, as a senior. He's only 5'10. He's a little light, but that is some mm-hmm. that is some big makeup speed. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it sounds like we got a, a lot of uh, bodies to throw at that position. And, and as you and I talked over the course of last year. You know, one of the themes we had was like, where was, where were the young guys in the pipeline that maybe we could turn to? It just didn't didn't feel like we had a lot there. We were, you know, we were juggling jukas and transfers and you know guys who changed positions and like you know when when you wanted to make changes, it just didn't feel like there were many options. So at the least, hopefully, this class gives us that along with you know some guys who were here last year and redshirted um, that you know now you've got some you know, some depth there and some competition to, you know, hopefully find a serviceable unit because um, it hasn't been the last couple of years for sure. So here are the defensive backs. Perry, Johnson, Frederick, K.J. Jarrell, part of the Saguaro High School contingent, right. Ty Thomas, Evan Fields. I mean, that you, you can't ask for more than that. He brought in six defensive backs. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's a third of the class, you know. Um, so, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's obvious that they – saw the same uh, need that, that we saw from afar that, you know, you, you gotta, you gotta just increase depth there and, and, uh, you know, be able to find the best guys. And, you know, we really, last year we, we talked a lot about, you know, the Juco's that were coming in, you know, Maurice Chandler and Jamar Rhodes, and neither one of them had anywhere near the immediate impact you'd hope. Now they're still around. Um, and, and, you know, hopefully they can take that second year, leap that we've had from juco kids before um but you know we just didn't we just didn't get much volume in the way of youngsters at that spot 
Um, you know, felt like Chase Lucas was maybe the only guy that, you know, was an option to play. I know there was some thought of playing Kyle Williams over there at DB. Um, you know, it just, it just felt like we were, you know, trying everything we could to patch it together because we just didn't have very many good options. Well, with Perry, uh, Alex Perry joining Armand Perry in the secondary and right. three more, you've got Chandler and Rhodes and hopefully better tackling from the secondary overall. And really, the defense Can't be much as a worse. whole. Uh, yeah, yeah. You know, there, there's a chance for them to make strides. That you yeah, know, it was a. It's an interesting class. You know, you have one specialist with Brandon Ruiz. The you know somewhere in the top five, depending on your recruiting, your preferred recruiting mm-hmm. source, uh, kickers in the country. Who, you know, Sean Slocum was very happy with him based on you know yeah. every coach is happy yeah. with everything that they did on signing day <laughs> sure, um, sure absolutely yeah but slocum helped the progression of zane gonzalez into the all-time points leader at asu yeah. and in college football and you know yeah. you gotta think that there's a chance on that uh carrying yeah. over and being more than just zane yeah yeah i mean uh you know that was uh an important spot to fill you you know it, it doesn't it doesn't you know really um make big headlines when you get a kicker, you know, people, Oh yeah, great. You got a kicker. But, you know, we saw this year how important a kicker was, um, cause five and seven could have easily been, you know, three and nine or two and 10 without a good kicker. Um, you know, and, and we've seen it in years past when we haven't had one, um, the 2011 team was derailed by several things, but one was the lack of a reliable kicker. You know, that team was 6-2 and two going into November, and Alex Garut has the nightmare game against UCLA, and they never got back on track. So, um, you know, again, it's, it's, not a, it's not one of those that on signing day you think, oh, great, we got a great kicker. But, you know, it's very possible that four years from now we'll look back and say, that guy may have been, the, you know, the biggest contributor of anybody. Yeah, for the Sun Devils, there's one specialist, 11 defensive players or projected defensive players. I guess you never know with Graham. Yeah, and, and six offensive <laughs> yeah. players. Um, you've got the two quarterbacks. You've got a pair of running backs in Eno Benjamin and Trellon Smith. Mm-hmm. Curtis Hodges at receiver, and then um, Corey Stevens, the guard from Saguaro. Right. They right. also picked and a up a tight end from Yuma. Right. Yeah, they picked up a tight yeah. end from Yuma, Mark Wilson from Cibola High, who yeah. uh, replaced one of the four potential Saguaro commits. So ASU wound up right. With three kids from Saguaro, but not the same three who'd been committed for a year. Right, right. Yeah, and I know we lost out on, on uh, you know, some of the, the higher profile guys. I saw Austin Jackson went to USC. And, you Isaiah know, I Pola mean, you can, Mao went you, to USC. Right. I mean, you could play that game. I saw, you know, on Twitter today the discussion of, boy, you know, what would ASU look like if they had, you know, the top recruits from Arizona every year? Well, you know, of course, they'd probably look better. Um, I mean, you know, that's, that's an obvious, but you have to understand where you're at right now. And, um, it's hard to out recruit, you know, USC, USC's got a lot of momentum rolling. Um, they finally, you know, seem to have turned the corner from the, the, you know, sanctions and penalties that they had. Um, and when they're, you know, they're after your, your kid, it's, it's hard to beat them. Um, you know, hopefully, we could beat them on the field, you know, we'll see. Um, they've had great recruiting classes the last few years too. And, uh, until this year it took, you know, they really hadn't produced any good teams. So, 
you know, time will tell. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it's uh, be nice to get all those kids, but it's just not reality. ESPN is USC is the number one rated class in the conference, fifth overall. Yeah. You know, yeah. Yeah. The, you know, the Pac-12 is well represented on the ESPN top 40. You've got USC at five, Stanford's checking in at 14, UCLA's 18, Washington 22, yeah. Oregon 23, Colorado 27, and the Sun Devils check in at 38. So, yeah, you know, it's yeah, a... Yeah, I mean... It's a powerhouse conference as part of being in the power five sure sure you know it is and uh, i don't i don't put a i don't put really any stock in recruiting rankings i really don't i mean you know you can you can find connections if you want you can go and say well alabama's had their number one class and look what they've done that that's true um but you can also find just as many highly regarded recruits and highly regarded classes that don't work out well and, and the opposite, you know, lightly regarded players and and classes that end up being, you know, the foundation for teams that win conference titles or, you know, contend for national titles even sometimes. Um, I mean, I'd be willing to bet. I don't know this offhand, but you know, Michigan state was in the playoffs last year. I bet you they didn't have very many four and five star recruits. Um, You know, they just, they made it work because of good coaching and good development. So you know, that's that's the lot we have to have. Uh, we're not Alabama or Florida State or USC. I wish we were, um, but we're not. So, you know, you have to you have to take the guys you can get and coach them up. And we were doing that pretty well in the early years with Graham. Haven't had as much success the last couple of years. So he'll he'll get one more year to prove he can and hopefully more than that. If he does well, he'll he'll carry on and keep doing it. One thing that was interesting today as sort of Pac-12 undercurrent of signing day was Oregon flipping uh, commit after commit from Arizona. <laughs> yeah, you yeah, know? yeah. Seems like they found a weakness there. I mean, I know I, I don't follow Arizona closely, but I know I did hear that that um, they lost an assistant who was kind of their lead recruiter. I think he went to Nebraska. Um and that, you know, really kind of allowed their class to get pillaged. And Oregon came in and, and did a number on them, apparently. I think four guys, at least, that I heard were once committed to Arizona that ended up at Oregon. So, yeah, not you know, uh, interesting way to go about it. But, that you know, it, it's cutthroat. That's what recruiting is. Yeah, it's it's certainly going to sow the seeds if, if the teams are competitive uh, for sure, a nice little sure. rivalry. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and we'll see, you know, but... But hey, if you're if you're the Oregon staff, you're you're brand new. Um, you gotta you gotta do what you can to, to make up ground quickly. Uh, you know, you, you can't come in and play nice and say, huh, well, okay, all all you guys that have already committed, sorry, you know, we're not going to be interested in you now. Hey, if we had an early signing period like has been discussed, this stuff might not happen. Um, but they haven't approved one yet. They're still debating it for the future, I guess. Uh, so you leave yourself open to stuff like this happening in January and February. For what it's worth, Todd Graham, uh, during the press conference where they assess the recruits, which is the first time yeah. that the coaches can actually talk, is after somebody is signed. Right. Um, Todd Graham said that ASU's not done with their recruiting. He pointed out that they had signed Tim White in April, so they're still yeah. looking. It's only an 18-person class. The expectation from some of the things I've seen reported was that ASU was hoping to sign somewhere between 21 and 23 players. So it yeah. does give them some maneuvering room, but, uh, um, yeah, I mean, and, and I think also for transfers, I think they're, 
they're kind of keeping their uh, their options open as far as that goes, um, which obviously might not help you in the short term because uh, not all of them are going to get waivers like Blake Barnett got. But uh, you know, maybe a grad transfer or two also that comes in and can help you next year. I don't I don't know the options that are out there, but you know that that possibility still exists over the course of the next few months. Absolutely. You know, ASU brought in a lot of recruits on visits. They landed some. And sure. as, as you go through, it seems like the at the high end we were losing people to, to SC, but Utah snagged a couple guys who ASU tried to flip a couple of uh, defensive backs, Brad Stewart and Tariq Lewis, and both wound up sticking with their commit. Really? Or I'm not sorry. Yeah. I'm sorry, not Brad Stewart, Jalen Johnson and Tariq Lewis. Okay. Uh, who both stuck with their commit, which was interesting because they both, from the reports I saw, mostly from Sun Devil Source, were saying that uh, both enjoyed their visits, had good visits. That was back uh, yeah. on the 13th, the weekend of January 13th. But, yeah, you know, the fact that Utah was able to hold them is a real testament to the kind of program they're building there. Sure, sure, yeah. I mean, and, and you know, good visits are probably a little bit like what you said, where, you know, every every coach – says they, you know, they got better today and this is, you know, class addresses all of their needs and everybody's happy and, you know, probably 99% of recruiting visits feel like they went well. I mean, you you have a whole department of people that are designed just to put on good visits. Um, but other schools do too. You know, we, we can uh, knock them off their feet, but they're going to go on, you know, four or five others and they're going to get swept off their feet there too. Um, so, you know, that's just that's just the way it is. You know, I mean, uh, recruiting is, is such a, a weird thing. I mean, it's the lifeblood of your program. Um, but there's so much hysteria over it that we just don't know if it's rented for several years. And, you know, this is obviously no exception. Matt, I'm going to let you have a couple minutes to go on your old man, get off my lawn rant. <laughs> I just started it. I think I know. I think and I, I feel like that's where you want to go. <laughs> I just, I mean, we've talked about it, and I'm not saying anything that probably a lot of people don't say, but, you know, I, I always caution as we do this recruiting stuff that, you know, look at the number of guys um, that are highly ranked, you know, can't miss prospects who do miss. And then the opposite, look at the number of guys who, you know, you look years later, a guy like Russell Wilson, who was, you know, kind of an afterthought, and, well, he's a Super Bowl champion quarterback, a guy like Aaron Rodgers, who had one Division One all coming out of the high school, and he's a Super Bowl champion and an MVP, you know, probably headed to the Hall of Fame. Um, and there's a bunch of other examples. So, you know, it, it's uh, it's interesting, and it's not to say it doesn't matter, because obviously this is how you get your talent, and that's how you win your games. But um, do I think it, that too much is made of signing day? 110% I do. Um, you know, the... the you know, press conferences where a guy, you know, has a hat and he takes off, you know, today the, the one, you know, kid takes off the Florida shirt and then a Florida State shirt and he's wearing a USC shirt. Like, ugh, that exhausts me. And I know I do sound like an old man, but that's okay because that's just how I feel. Well, what's, what's true about this is it's a very self-fulfilling prophecy where it matters, so we pay attention. We pay attention, so the hype gets up. The hype gets up. Sure. The kids pay attention. They want to make it. You know, I remember Isaiah Crowell had a bulldog puppy, which yes. Yes. you know that felt a little wedding crashers now, where it's like, who knows what <laughs> happened to that puppy? 
I'm not taking right, care of it. I right. know you're not. <laughs> <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's all it's all a game of one-upsmanship, and you know what? What can I do to make myself unique? And it, it goes along with what we've talked about for a couple of years now. Um, you know, these kids at 17 and 18 years old are they're trying to build a brand, and I don't personally love that, but that's just the way it is. They're they're looking out for number one and. And again, and again, and again, you know, again, you know, they, some of them, you know, three or four years uh, being told how great they are, having coaches come into their house and tell them how amazing they are and how much they're going to mean to the program and how the program just cannot survive without them. Um, and then the instant they show up on campus, they're supposed to just be humble, hard workers who, you know, take coaching. And it, it just the dynamic doesn't it doesn't really make sense when you think about it, you know, and I. And I it gives me an appreciation for coaches because I don't know how you can be that different, you know, I mean, to have to go in and, and, and basically, you know, build these kids up. And then once they show up at your school, tear them down and make them into the player you wanted, it's gotta be hard. Certainly. And that's why it, you know, that's why it's hard because you get guys who are really good at coaching players up and you wonder if it's sort of a chicken and egg problem. It's because the really talented guys don't want to work you know, right. at a place like that. Right. I also, right. I mean, it, you know, well, I was, I was just going to say, it also reminds me of the situation. You mentioned that they want to build their brands and the one I come back to and not to bury somebody, but when priest Willis was in te- yes. in high school in Tempe and he announced that he was picking UCLA and he did that to build its brand. And now right. he's at Texas A&M. <laughs> you know, there. Every, yeah. Everything that happens with these kids with signing day, it doesn't matter because, if, you know, everyone's no. so quick to pull the trigger and leave, which yes. includes Blake Barnett. He got beat out for the yes. job, and that's why he left. But, you know, when guys are 18, 19, they've been told that they're great, that they're the savior of their high school team. They are the best player in the country. They need to yep. go to this school. And then it turns out the next year that the coach is telling the same thing to another kid <laughs> who's a, a little faster, a little stronger. Right, right, right. Yeah, I mean, there's – there's always a new flavor of the month. I mean, I, I you know, I, yeah, I mean, I think we've talked about it enough. But really, I, I follow quarterback recruiting closer than anything else. And I always notice that. I noticed it with ASU. I noticed it at other places. You know, you sign this hotshot quarterback, and he's going to be the heir apparent, and, you know, we can't wait. And then the next year you sign another quarterback, and the other guy just kind of becomes forgotten. Like, well, what happened to that guy? You know, I thought, I thought he was going to be the guy, and, I mean, he hasn't even really had a chance to play. Um, I mean, Alabama is an example. You know, they signed uh, David Cornwell. He was going to be next big thing. They got him out of Oklahoma. Oklahoma was upset they lost him. Then they signed Blake Barnett. He's the next big thing. Then they signed Jalen Hurts, and he ends up getting the job. The other two are kind of, you know, left out and cold, and they're both at other places now. So, um, you, you know, it's just kind of kind of funny to me how you're right. I mean, we, we make such a deal of this and, and so many guys don't end up finishing their careers at the place that they've signed with today. Well, I'm going to, this is the thing that you texted me on Monday, the 2013 yes. quarterback class, 72 quarterbacks signed with a power five school. 59 of those did not finish their college career at the same school. Yeah. Startling. I mean, and that, and, and that's, I'm sure an, an abnormally large number, but I bet you it's normally about 50% because, I, I mean, I, I've never, you know, gone through and done it scientifically, but I've, I've done, because I follow quarterbacks, you know, I've gone back and looked at the lists and looked at the top 10s and top 20s, and it's, it's amazing how 
sometimes even still during their careers, you know, two or three years in, so many guys have already left. I mean, um, Blake Barnett's class, go and look at the top guys, and that's that's only two years ago. Um, and, and how many have left? Kyler Murray left. Ricky Town left. Blake Barnett left. Uh, I, I'm, I'm Jared Stidham left. Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm struggling to think of some of the other names, but it's a ton. Kyle Allen, I believe, was in that class. He left. Uh, or no, Kyle Allen, I guess, was the year before because he was at A&M, too. Um, but these are guys who were, you know, five-star quarterbacks, and they all left pretty quickly. Uh, you know, because that's just kind of the way it is. If, if the opportunity doesn't present right away, it's on to the next opportunity. Yeah. It's really quite something. It you is. Know. It is. I mean, and, uh, you know, it, it's kind of amazing to think how how many of these guys, for one reason or another, don't become the player they're supposed to become at that school. Yeah. When, you know, you look at it with ASU and the thing you said about how when, when we got Manny, I remember there were all these stories about how he committed and he became the number one cheerleader, recruiter, trying right. to get other guys here. And then the next year, we got Brady White. And then the Brady next White. year, we yeah. got D- and, yeah. and Perkins. And the next year, we, right. we get DSC. And you just uh-huh. keep moving along. And, you know, last season, Manny's the starter, but... You know, you wouldn't right. have known it because it everyone was excited for when Brady was going to start and everyone was excited exactly. for DSC. Exactly. I mean, of, of those four guys that we signed in three years, I mean, it's possible that that none of them will ever be, uh, you know, a starter here again. Uh, I mean, you know, if Barnett is as good as advertised, let's say he is, he starts for two to three years, um, and then maybe he hands off to Ron Kelly, and, and of all those guys and all the hype about them, uh, you know, it, it might turn into, you know, one season's worth where they shared the job and it went five and seven. Now, maybe it's maybe it's going to be the opposite. Maybe Dylan Sterling Cole will will grow and be a, a star. Maybe Manny Wilkins will beat out Blake Barnett. Who knows? Um, but it does give you a, a little bit of reason for pause when you think about that. And it's other positions, too. But quarterbacks are just kind of the easiest in some ways because they get the hype. They get the fanfare. And so it's easy to kind of look back and say, man, remember when. This guy is going to be the savior? Well, not anymore. Now we got a new savior. So basically what we're saying is we talked to you for 20 minutes about recruiting and then five minutes about why it's stupid to talk about recruiting. <laughs> so I mean, uh, now let me give you the counter. The counter is Deshaun Watson. He was a highly regarded quarterback. He was supposed to be the savior at Clemson, and by God if he wasn't. Three years, he won two ACC titles. He won a national title. He was a Heisman finalist twice. When it works out, man, it's great, and it's real sweet. Um, but, you know, a lot of times it doesn't work out that great. Yeah, well, hopefully it'll work out for ASU. They've got two more quarterbacks in the fold. they got six scholarship quarterbacks on the roster. It's going to be interesting. I mean, and, and don't forget, Jack Smith's still lingering out there. He, he could, he, <laughs> yeah, he's there. He's there. He may, I mean, depending on transfers, he may factor, you know, as at least a number three at some point next year because – you know, we could see a lot of attrition with this group and Brady White being injured. I'm not sure we can even factor him in next year. So uh, it'll it'll be interesting. Yeah, I mean, six could pair down to three real fast. We'll have plenty of time to talk about that. We're heading down to the wire in the conference season. We got, you know, six weeks left before March Madness. And Matt and I will be here to talk about it and break down the brackets. And we'll do a bracket yes, contest indeed. on ESPN. And Greg will probably beat us in that, too. <laughs> probably so yes 
Until the next time, he's Matt. I'm Ben. It's the Ben and Matt Sportscast.